How's everyone doing today? Good? Great. All right. Well, open up to Luke chapter 15. We're going to get into God's Word today in Luke chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, there is one in the chair rack uh, right below your chair or a chair right near you. And if you don't have a Bible, like don't own one, uh, you didn't just forget to bring it today, then please take that home with you and let that be our gift to you. We'd love everyone to make sure they have a copy of God's Word in their home. And if you don't have one, take one of ours, and that can be yours. I'd appreciate that. Luke chapter 15. If you are using the chair rack Bible, be about page 874 is where you're going to be there as we move into this morning's message. Misha Rohozin is a 19-year-old young man uh, that has Down syndrome and is unable to speak and was also living in the Ukraine up until a few months ago with his mom, Liana. His mom realized that with the war that had begun, that it was going to be dangerous for them to stay. And so she knew that she and Misha had to get out of Ukraine. But she also knew that it was going to be difficult for Misha to leave the only place he had really known the only place he had called home and the place that he felt the most comfortable in in his situation. So she had to come up with a way to try and motivate him to leave with her. They were going to the Netherlands was her plan to get to a place of safety. So what she did is she told Misha that they were going uh, to seek, they were going to find one of Misha's heroes. They were going to find John Cena, the wrestler. And if Misha would leave with her, that they were going to see if they could find John Cena. And and Misha is so into wrestling that he was all in. He was like, we're, we're, you know, he was ready to go and he had no problem. And they, they left the Ukraine and were able, thank God, to get out and get the safety in the Netherlands under these, you know, circumstances. But of course, they get to the Netherlands and no John Cena uh, is there. But a few months later, Massachusetts' own John Cena, movie star, wrestler, uh, actually heard about uh, Misha and his situation. And John Cena, you may not know this about him, has the record, holds the world record for the most fulfilled make-a-wish wishes of anyone in the world. He's fulfilled over 650 make-a-wish wishes. And so he heard about Misha's situation, and he flew out there and actually showed up in, to, to see and to meet Misha with his never give, gave him a never give up t-shirt and his gear and spent the whole day with him and let him hold his belt and just made this kid's day. And what a cool story, right? And, but there's one thing I want to, the reason I bring that up this morning is because when you look at these two people, even if I, you know, if I didn't give you the backstory, if you're just looking at them physically, just two people, they're extremely different people. I mean, physically, they're extremely different people. With, with Misha's mental challenges, there's extremely different people. Uh, They are, but then with the backstory, when you understand one is a movie star, TV star, wrestler, world known, famous, you know, money, can fly anywhere in the world he wants and, and has all of that. And one 
is a 19-year-old young man with Down syndrome who can't speak and who is a refugee from a war-torn country, extremely different people. And if I didn't just tell you the backstory, you might say, how did these two people come together? Or maybe even why are these two people together? And this morning, uh, when, we come, when it comes to Jesus, there were lots of times that people looked at Jesus and the people he was around and asked the question, why are these people together? Why is Jesus with these people? And I want to look at that this morning because the two parables we come to this morning actually address and answer this question. Why does Jesus hang out with, why does Jesus spend time with the people that he does? But in doing that, I want us to also consider the question for us. How do you make a decision on who you're going to spend time with? How do you decide what's the criteria to decide who you are going to hang out with? Who you're going to spend your time with? Who you're going to be around? Because I think in the reasoning that Jesus gives for why he hangs around who he does should also inform some of our decisions about who we spend time with as well. It's Luke chapter 15, there's two parables. Let me just give you the setting of the parables because one of the things we've learned in this Go and Do Likewise series is as important as the parable is, it's the setting that the, Jesus gives the story in that really informs the message he's trying to give. Jesus is always trying to give a truth when he gives a parable. The parable is just a story that kind of gives it in a little bit of a under the radar, subversive way. But you have to understand the setting that it's given in to really grasp the truth. So here's the setting. Chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. And it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. That's the setting. And then in the rest of Luke chapter 15, Jesus is going to tell three stories. Two of them we're going to look at this morning and answer this question, why would Jesus hang around sinners? Why would Jesus welcome and hang around sinners? The third one answers the question, why do the religious leaders grumble about it? And that's next week's passage, and we'll look at that. But this idea, so here's the setting. Jesus is hanging out, and tax collectors, which to you, if you're not like, if you haven't had a lot of church experience or a lot of reading of the Gospels, you might be like, why did he pick tax collectors? Why didn't he pick some other, you know, profession? That seems weird, just picking out tax collectors. Well, the reason is because in Jesus' day, tax collectors were a category uh, set apart for specific and special disdain. And the reason being is this, because the way they made their living was by cheating their fellow citizens and countrymen. Um, the way they made their living was the, the, the empire of Rome basically said, look, you collect the money that we're owed as your local, you know, being a local tax collector, and then you collect whatever else you can. Your salary is whatever else you collect. You can, you can, you know, so if Rome says, you know, your tax is $500, you know, you can collect a thousand bucks and keep the other 500. You know, it was, it was legalized extortion. It was, you know, so nobody liked the tax collectors. And they're hanging around Jesus. And the other category is sinners. These are people who are, you know, going the opposite direction of what God would say to go. 
These are people that aren't interested in the religious institutions. They're, they're, they're going their own way. They're not, you know, in the temple. They're not in the religious services. They're just, they're people that are in many ways just unholy, irreligious people. And so the Pharisees and scribes who are the religious people, their question is, why is Jesus welcoming and eating with these people? Why would Jesus do that? He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. He's a holy man. Why is he eating and welcoming sinners and tax collectors, the very people that we try and keep a distance from, they would say. And so Jesus answers this question of why he spends time around them with these two stories. So, chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or, what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. A lost sheep and a lost coin are Jesus' answer to their question. Why does this man eat and welcome sinners? The reason is because people, Jesus knew, are lost and valuable. Jesus pictured people, and he understood that people are both lost and valuable. And so the answer to his question is, this is why he would eat with sinners. You do this when you picture and understand that people are lost and valuable. Let me give you a list of things we lose all the time. Here's a list of things that uh, we lose all the time in our houses. Let me tell you, which one for you is the one you hate to lose the most? A passport. Is that on the, I didn't even put that one on the list. Your passport. What else? What did I hear? Keys. Wallet. Which, which one do you put on the top of the list? How many put glasses at the top of the list? Oh, one hand went up real quick. How many put wallet purse at the top of the list? Not many. Wow. Okay. All right. What's at the top? Keys. All right. That one's winning out so far. Phone. Oh, I think the phone just took it. I think the phone just took it. Shoes, headphones, no one, yeah, they're annoying, but 
Okay, let me change the list a little. Take a look at this one. Now what's at the top of the list? Someone in first service saw this list and still said keys, but, but his wife's in the service now, so I'm not going to tell her who said it. Um, but that changes the list, right? I mean, once we see that list, I mean, we all would say, yeah, children at the top of the list, right? Kids. We're going we're gonna to put that. I mean, we might argue about whether keys and shoes and wallet are more annoying to lose, but once you add children to it, like that changes things, right? I mean, then, okay, we all have the same top thing. Now we're just arguing about what is second. For God, the list only has one word on it, and that's people. There's nothing else lost for God. God doesn't misplace his keys or anything else. There's nothing else lost. There's nothing else on the list for God other than people. People whom God loves and people who have lost their way are the only thing that God goes searching for. And you understand when something is valuable and lost by the reaction the person has when it's found. That's how you know. You know that something is valuable by the person's reaction when it's found, or you know what's valuable by what you celebrate. Let's put it that way. Because you celebrate what's valuable, and you value whatever you celebrate, right? I mean, you value whatever you celebrate, and you celebrate what is valuable. I heard a comedian, this point came across with comedian Louis Anderson, he was talking about when he was a kid, his dad loved his car so much. He loved his car. He had a Pontiac Bonneville. And he loved this Pontiac, his dad loved his Pontiac Bonneville so much that when they would meet people, he would actually introduce his car instead of his family. <laughs> he would meet people and he'd say, you know, he'd say, did you see my Bonneville? And he'd be like, and that's my family over there. And when you meet someone like that, you immediately know what's important to them because that's what they celebrate. You know what's important to someone by what they sell. You know what they value by what they celebrate. That's why we have birthday parties because we value the person that we're celebrating. That's why we have graduations. We value the achievement of the person, you know, that, that just happens. That's why we go to weddings. We value the relationship of the people. These are the things that we celebrate. So what does God celebrate? Passage says, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And then in the next story, it says, so she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, Jesus says, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is what heaven celebrates. This is what God celebrates. And so you know that lost people are valuable to God because when they come home, when they turn to God, when a person turns to God, heaven rejoices. God celebrates. So that's what's important to God. And why is that? 
Let me, let me illustrate it another way. I'm gonna, I need a volunteer. Um, Alejandra, you're volunteering Valentina. I'm going to volunteer. All right, Alejandra, here we go. Alejandra, you don't even have to move. You can stay right there, right? Here it is. I got a $20 bill. You want the $20 bill? Yes, you want the $20 bill? All right, hold on, hold on. You still want the $20 bill? You still want the $20 bill? All right, hold on. All right. You still want the $20 bill? Why do you, okay, there you go. You get the $20 bill. But here's the point. Because why would she still want the $20 bill? Because no matter if I crumple it up, if I step on it, whatever I do, it's still worth $20. And there are people who have been through this world who have been crumpled up and stepped on and had difficult things that have happened to them. And God says they're still valuable to me. And God says they're still worth going after. And God says they're still worth seeking. Why? Because God created them. They have his image stamped on them. And because he sent his son to make a way for them to have a relationship with God. So they are valuable. And so these religious leaders say, why do you welcome sinners? Why do you eat with them? Because they're still valuable to God. You look at them and you see something else. You look at them and you see someone going out of the direction. You look at them, he says, these religious leaders, and you don't see someone worth spending time with, but I see someone that's valuable to God. Why does Jesus eat with sinners and tax collectors? Because people are lost and valuable, and also because to find something lost and valuable, you search for it with relentless pursuit. And so Jesus goes after these sinners and tax collectors because he goes searching for them. He goes and searches for them. He goes out. You have to search for something. You search for the sheep that's lost. You search for the coin. That's the point. When something is lost and valuable, you don't search for everything that's lost, right? You lose something that's not valuable, you don't care. You just leave it. You don't search for valuable things you have when you know exactly where they are. You search for things that are lost and valuable. And so the shepherd and so the woman. We are natural searchers. I mean, we will search for things that we don't even know are there. The, uh, some of you may have heard of the James Webb Telescope. You heard of the James Webb Telescope? This largest telescope that we just sent up in space a while back that, you know, dwarfs the Hubble Space Telescope and is going to be able to take pictures of parts of the universe that we never, and, and back in time they're talking about, like that we have never even been able to think about before. And it's a countdown to July 12th when the first pictures are supposed to be released from this James Webb Telescope. And it cost billions and billions of dollars to build and to send this up into space. And why? Because we humans love to search. We love to go find things out. And if you're going to find those people that are lost and valuable to God, you're going to have to search. You're going to have to be on the lookout for them. There's a great story of searching uh, and having a relentless pursuit that's depicted in the movie Lion or also the book A Long Way Home. It's a story of a five-year-old boy named Saru who gets lost on a train in India. He gets on the wrong train. 
ends up in the wrong part of India, can't find his way home, has to survive on his own in Calcutta before ultimately being adopted by an Australian couple. 25 years later, armed with a handful of old memories and a determination to find his way home and something called Google Earth, he endeavors to find his parents and to get home to his family. Why? Why would he pursue it like this? Why would he go through that? Because he's looking for something lost and valuable. Sometimes I think we hear the setting of this story I read, and we're not in the same position as the religious leaders. We actually think Jesus should be hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. We don't have a problem with that. The Jesus we know and love would do that. And so we think, what's the problem with these religious leaders? Of course Jesus would hang around people like this. But let's take a minute and turn around the question on ourselves. Do we then also spend time around people who are lost and valuable to God? Do we spend significant amounts of time, money, thought, and prayer searching for what is valuable to God? Or do our actions suggest that what, is val- what God values might not be that important to us? The people you choose to spend your time around, going back to that original question, how do you determine who you're going to spend time with? How do you determine who you're going to hang out with? Is it... Uh, when it comes to lost people who are lost and valuable to God, is it like searching for a stranger's golf ball? You know, where if you're golfing and, a, you know, the guy in another group lost his golf ball, he says, hey, have you seen my, you know, I'm hitting a Titleist. Have you seen a Titleist 3? I mean, you don't know him. You might be like, look around. No, I haven't seen it. And then you keep going. You don't, you don't spend a long time looking for a stranger's golf ball. You get your own game to play. You got your own score to keep. And so you just move on. And I wonder if when it comes to searching for lost people, people who don't know God, spending time thinking about, praying about, organizing our time and attention around people that are, that are valuable to God, I wonder if we're similar to the same attitude of just looking for a stranger. We take a glance. We take a look. But we've got our own things to focus on. We've got our own things that are important to us. And so we don't necessarily invest in that heavily. I wonder if we, you know, if we get to heaven and, you know, God asks us about that. How much time and dedication did you give looking for what's lost and valuable to me? With the lost sheep, the shepherd searched and the text says that he will go after that one that is lost until he finds it. That sounds like a pretty relentless pursuit of that sheep. And the coin, the woman lost, she says that she will seek diligently until she finds it. That sounds like a pretty relentless pursuit of something that is both lost and valuable. We go after things that are lost and valuable. We search for them. For example, I lost some gift cards in this room. Under five chairs. 
there are somewhere gift cards in this room under five chairs. Would you help me look for them? Help me, let's see. There are five, at least five, because I'm not sure the first service found them all. There may be seven. I don't know. Anyone find them? Lift them up if you find one. Anyone find a gift card? Don't make a liar out of me. Somebody find a gift card? There's one. We got one there. Anyone else? There are... There should be five gift cards I lost. They're not in the Bible. <laughs> they're, they're taped to the chair. If you went to Belmont this morning, I think they hid them in the Bibles in Belmont. Taped to the bottom of the chair. That's what I've been told. There's another one. There's another one. We got two, three. We got three. We got four. All right, there's a fifth one out there somewhere. Maybe. Here's the point, right? You guys can, uh, that, anyone that found a gift card, you can, you got the fifth one, there it is. Enjoy a coffee on Mount Hope. There you go. Have a, have a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Sorry, they're not Starbucks. I'm too cheap for Starbucks. They're Dunkin' Donuts. But here's the thing. When something is lost and valuable, you pursue it. You search for it. You go after it. And that's all that Jesus is saying. You know, why would Jesus eat with sinners and tax collectors? Because they are lost and valuable. And so you seek, just like the shepherds sought the lost sheep, just like the woman sought the lost coin, you seek after it. Final point is this. To find something lost and valuable, you position yourself nearby. That's why. Why do you eat with sinners and tax collectors? Why do you welcome them? Because if you're going to look for something lost and valuable, you need to look nearby where it was lost. You know where the least helpful person is when you lost something? Here's where the least helpful person is. The least helpful person is when you tell them you lost your keys and they say to you, well, where did you leave them? <laughs> Brilliant. Wonderful. Why didn't I think of that? I'll just go back and where I left them and get them. Why do they say that? And why is it so obvious? Because of course you have to look where you thought you left them. There's no point looking someplace else for something that's lost other than a place where it might have been lost. It's like if you lose your kid at the mall, like you don't on a day like this, like, you know what? It's a gorgeous day out. I don't want to spend the time in the mall. Let's go to the beach and look for her. You know, you lost her at the mall. You don't go look at the beach and then, and then come home after a beautiful day at the beach and say, well, we looked all day, couldn't find her. <laughs> you got to look in the place where you lost it, right? And that's why, why would Jesus spend time with, because if you're going to find lost people who are valuable to God, you're going to have to be around lost people who are valuable to God. You got to organize, like you got to organize your time and your intentions, and your life around those things that are valuable and important to God. You know, when my kids, uh, when they're not interested in something that maybe their sibling or one of their friends is interested in, my statement to them is usually, caring people care about the things they, people care, they care about care about. I get that right? Yeah. Caring people care about the things the people they care about care about. It's true, right? I mean, it's not necessarily what you want, 
But the person you care about likes this, and so you're going to care about the things that they care about. And if God cares about people who bear his image, but maybe walking in a completely different direction than him, may have said no to him, maybe, maybe have want nothing to do with him, and yet God still cares about them, then if we care about and love God, then we ought to care about them too. Because caring people care about the things people they care about care about. And so we love God. We ought to love the things and the people that God loves. And so we have to pursue them, and you have to be around, you have to be in proximity to those people as well. The carpenter who only spends time around other carpenters will never meet someone who needs a house built. And it's obvious. And yet we as Christians, those of us who follow Jesus and have done it for some amount of time, often find ourselves only hanging around other people who know Jesus. Only hanging around other carpenters, other people who believe like we do. I wonder if one day we do get to heaven and God says, you know, we say to God, yeah, I looked all, you know, I looked my whole life for lost people and didn't find any. And I wonder that God would say, where were you looking? <laughs> if you're never in proximity, if you're never around, if you never intentionally organize your life around, then you're going to miss out. You're, you're going to miss out on finding those things, those people that are valuable to God. And ultimately, what you'll miss out on is if you don't value what heaven values, you won't celebrate what heaven celebrates. If you and I don't value what God values, we'll miss out on everything that God is celebrating. And we'll miss out on God's celebration. When you and I find ourselves in a position that we are valuing what God values, we will celebrate the things that God celebrates. And so why does Jesus hang around and welcome sinners, people that the religious leaders of his day wanted nothing to do with? Because he knows people are lost and valuable. Because he knows to find them, you're going to have to pursue them. <laughs> and he also knows you're going to have to be around them. And then when that happens, you end up celebrating the things that God celebrates. This is the God that we serve. And there's no greater example than the life of Jesus himself. I'll ask our worship team to come back as we prepare to respond to God's word. Ariana, Ariana read this morning John chapter 1. Uh, parts of it. And John chapter 1 is a great example. Great, great understanding of what Jesus did for us, right? Jesus left his heavenly place. He came down to earth. He took on flesh. He lived among us. He came down to seek and to save the lost. He was searching Searching for something that was lost and something that was val valuable, and Jesus would spare no expense in finding it. He was searching for you. And in the same way, once you are found, once you have been found, and once you've found God, what does he invite you to do? He invites you to join the search team. He invites you now to join the search team, to go out pursuing and looking for that which is lost and valuable to God. Not only are you and me the lost coin and the lost sheep that God went 
to seek and to find and sent others on a search to find. Once we are found, we join the search team. That's what God calls us to do and that's who God calls us to be. This morning as we prepare and we think about responding to God's word, let me, let me tell you what this is not about. This text is not about arguing with the defiant. It's not about uh, you uh, arguing with someone for, about, you know, why they should believe in God. I mean, there's, there's a place for that in those conversations, but that's not what this text is about. This text is not about arguing with the defiant. It's about eating with the willing. This message isn't about how to share the gospel. It's not even about the kind of life to live around non-Christians that would lead them to Jesus. This message is simply a call, a plea to value what heaven values, enough to organize your life and schedule to be around people who are lost from God and valuable to him. Remember the question, the story's answer. Remember the accusation made against Jesus. He welcomes sinners and eats with them. It's simply an invitation to invite you to do the same thing. It's not an invitation necessarily to go out, like I said, and argue and, and, and those that are defined. No, 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 no. These people were coming to Jesus. They wanted to hang around him. So I think if we're going to take this text seriously, we have to think about it this way. Who in your life doesn't know God, doesn't know Jesus, isn't walking with God, maybe wants nothing to do with God, but wants to hang around you, but wants to spend time with you? Who in your life, maybe, they're not here on a sitting in church on a Sunday morning. They don't want anything to do with God, but they like getting a cup of coffee with you, grabbing a meal with you, talking about your kids, talking about school, talking about work. They somehow are drawn to you. I think these are the people this text is talking about. Who invites you to say, hey, you want to go out? And you really don't necessarily want to. You don't have a lot in common with them. In fact, you try and think of a reason not to go out with them. (laughs) But it might be a providential place where God is putting you in a place to be like Jesus, to be around people who are lost and valuable to him. There might be people you work with. There might be people in your neighborhood in your school. They're probably people in your own family that don't necessarily believe like you believe. They don't follow the God you follow. Maybe they want nothing to do with it. But they like hanging around you. And maybe this morning the Lord is telling you to say yes to their invitations. To hang around them and spend some time around them because that's what Jesus would do. Why would Jesus do that? Because sinners are people who are lost and valuable to God. So he welcomes them and eats with them. Go and do likewise. Lord, 
as we respond to your word today, would you search our hearts? Those of us in this room that call ourselves followers of Jesus, And yet, in this area of our lives, maybe we don't follow very well. Because we would have to follow Jesus to places that are maybe uncomfortable. We would have to follow Jesus to conversations that might be uncomfortable. We have to follow Jesus to intentionally pursuing relationships with people who are different, have different sets of beliefs, different values and yet still some reason you've put them in our lives and you've put us in their lives so Lord help us to be better followers of Jesus in this place in our lives God and even now as we begin to worship would you speak to us not only search our hearts but speak to our hearts maybe even I'm asking Lord that you would place a name a face in each of our hearts and minds of someone you've intentionally put there and we didn't even realize it was a providential appointment from you for us to be able to spend some time with them as a follower of you. And you've put them in our lives. So lead us to do that. Guide us in these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. As the team sings this song,